Live from the next cast, Feathropological Institute, we're talking about fancy coffee. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast that brings the fans I view to you, Fanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're talking about fans of the world's most popular drink, coffee. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Bonjour, je suis Nick T. Je je ne peux parler français et je t'aime coffee. I, I almost had, I was trying to connect so going to a tacathon, but I got nothing. So, you know what? I'm Nick T. If you don't like that, too bad. Too bad, Internet. And Nick Z. I'll take mine black as midnight on a moonless night. Ooh. That's one thing that I want to address immediately. Z, do you like your coffee back because of a TV show? Um, I feel like that's, honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of link this. I'm going to link this, make a, a call ahead. Oh, man. For you've all heard of call, call backs. Ahead. Here's Ooh. a call ahead. Like a lot of people who drink coffee, I feel like I was uh, introduced to the idea of drinking black coffee by a TV show, and then I just turned out to like it. Oh, dang. You said black coffee is your favorite Z? Yes. Did you know that uh, black coffee is 98% water? That's not surprising. It's very liquid. (laughs) (laughs) Almost entirely, some might say. Yes. Unless unless you're in a certain red room that it might be a little tarry. Yeah, but that's not what tonight's episode is about. No, not about tar. Nope. <laughs> Fans of oil. That's uh, a future season. Ooh, I'm gonna bring us right into that because I'm gonna bring us into this week's fandom facts. Fandom facts. That's right. We're talking about coffee. Normally, I'd start with the origins, but Z, you reminded me of something very important. Mm. We can't go on without bringing this up. Did you know, did either of you know, that coffee is the second most traded commodity after oil? Wow. Oil's more. Yeah, well, that, that's not super surprising to me. <laughs> I, 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 I guess not. I mean, depends what most traded is. Like more, I guess, I guess it's the amount of it that is traded. Ra- rather than cost, probably. Rather than like... The number of people to which it's traded, or the number of regions of the world. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if most parts of the world had coffee now. Mm-hmm. Probably, I think everyone who wants it has it. <laughs> and everyone who doesn't want it, like the Mormons, <laughs> doesn't have it. <laughs> or Sweden. Ooh. Wait, what? More, more on that in a minute. Ooh. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Oh, man. Oil makes cars go, but who cares about uh, people whom uh, coffee makes go? Oof. We're going to get into that, I'm sure, too. Oh. I, I need to drink some more here. Just come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, origins of the fandom. This is a little bit weird because most of the time when we talk about a fandom, we are actually talking about a fandom and its distinct like groups of, of things. But when we get into food and uh, celebrities and things like that, it gets a little bit weirder because the origin of the thing is when the thing became popular. They're very intimately connected. Hmm. So... I'm going to start with a couple of different origin stories for coffee, the plant, the thing that people like. That's right. You know how you like your coffee, those little cherries that you put in the hot water. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not that. (laughs) Um, So there are several uh, historical and legendary accounts of how coffee was discovered. I'm going to start with the legend that Z had actually mentioned last week in his famous last words. 
Mm. One legend tells the story of a 9th century Ethiopian goat herd, Kaldi, who discovered coffee when he noticed how excited his goats became after eating beans from a coffee plant. That story did not appear in writing until 1671. Wow. And many believe it to be apocryphal. So it can't be verified in any particular way. It's a good story. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if that was a good one, you might like this one as well. There is another legend which has slightly more credence to it. Uh, I believe because it's it's written down in a different manuscript, but not a historical account. Uh, there's a legend of a Sheikh Omar, who was known for his ability to cure the sick through prayer, who was exiled to a cave, and when he was exiled there, he found a bush, a shrubbery, that had berries on it. And, you know, he tried a bunch of different ways to consume the cherries, because he was going to starve otherwise. Mm-hmm. He tried eating them, and he found them very bitter. He tried roasting them, and that didn't really work. But he tried boiling them. Uh, and he'd like survived he was revitalized and as a result he like survived his exile and stories of this miracle drug this revitalizing drug caught on and when he returned he was made a saint <laughs> wowzers so take that goat herd <laughs> oh, man not the only time that coffee would mingle with the uh, the holy mm-hmm. no Apparently, you guys have. I feel like we all found, we probably all found that, did we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> but talking about history, it's like recorded history as as we know it. The first historical record of the plant comes from accounts of uh, 15th century Yemen, where the seeds were roasted and brewed in a similar way to how we prepare coffee today. It was used by Sufi circles to stay awake for religious rituals. By the 16th century, it had reached the rest of the Middle East, Persia, Turkey, and North Africa. Later. I think it was a Dutch trading company that was the first to start importing and exporting it. And after that, even, there was a British organization that kind of spread it around and it reached England, uh, France in 1657, and Austria and Poland in 1683 after the Battle of Vienna when coffee was captured from supplies from the defeated Turks. Mm-hmm. That was, I love that one. That, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the, the invading Turks and then they were like, they like retreated. They had to beat a hasty retreat, and they literally left the coffee behind. Can't carry the heavy stuff. <laughs> and the general was like, "Just burn it." <laughs> that would have smelled amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, but this one guy was like, "No, man. I would like. I've been to Turkey, or like I lived in Turkey for a while. I know kind of what to do with this." Was that uh, Mister? So he Kulziki. Hmm? Yeah, uh, and he he made he made the brew and was the first one. I believe, to experiment adding milk and sugar to it. Oh. Apparently, according to one story, it wasn't him as much as it was his friend, Marco Daviano, a capuchin monk. Ah, you've got it. Mm-hmm. Since uh, adding milk and honey, it changed it into a lighter brown color, which was the same color as, as the robes of the capuchin monks. Called it cappuccino. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was definitely... I took a BuzzFeed quiz on... Ha- how much of a real coffee fan are you? Which is a stupid quiz, but I did. I got nine out of twelve, which qualifies as a genius. That was one of the questions on it, which I happened to know because I was doing research for the podcast. <laughs> Interestingly enough, coffee was not popular when introduced into North America. That was because alcohol was much more popular at the time, uh, and it wasn't until after the War of eighteen twelve when Britain cut off access to tea. Mm that coffee started to gain popularity. As it turns out, tea was also in the decline in England at that point in history. 
and part of the reason was because it's harder to make than coffee. Hmm. Hmm. That was what I managed to dig up for the origins of coffee because there is so much history. There's a book on the history of salt <laughs> that I remember hearing yeah. about. And like, I have the one on pepper. <laughs> I can only imagine how much history there is about coffee because once you get into the modern day, there's just so much more information to pour over. Yeah. That was not a pun. I did not intend that <laughs> uh, to be a pun. It's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. Yep. Uh, yep. What you said about North America was the same thing as in Europe, like Western Europe. Because everyone was just drinking beer all the time. Because you're not... This was 16th century or 16th, 17th century. Because you're not going to drink the water. Mm. <laughs> so people would just be kind of drunk all day <laughs> drinking beer until coffee came along. I actually had a, an interesting quote I found about that exact situation. Ah. Uh, so in 1632, so you, you know your history. It was a Jewish man who opened the first coffee house in Europe in Livorno, Italy. 18 years later, a Sephardic Jew, charmingly called Jacob the Jew, founded the first coffee house in Oxford, England. Many Sephardic Jews became coffee traders during this period and brought the coffee house idea to France and Netherlands. Cool, fine, whatever. Of course, where Jews prosper, anti-Semitism rears its ugly head. In Germany, surprise, there were attempts to close down the Jewish coffee trade because coffee was threatening their beer industry. <laughs> but coffee, as it always does, prevailed. Not the only time either. <laughs> in the late 1700s in Prussia. They were like, no, no coffee. Coffee is destroying beer. <laughs> Prussia's a beer nation. Um, I mean, everyone's, I guess, learned how to get along with both coffee and beer. Yeah. Coffee in the morning, beer at night, I guess. <laughs> but like, yeah, there's a lot of battles for drink supremacy. <laughs> coffee rolled into town. Coca-Cola? Yeah. Ooh. No. no it's too just, recent. No. Too no. soon. Um, in terms of size of the fandom... I didn't even try to estimate this week because... The, the most. Biggest. The most. The biggest. Um, <laughs> I wrote probably in the millions, uh, looking further down the fandom funnel, because obviously the more engaged people are in things, the... I mean, a lot of people go to Starbucks in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But like we, is... like, we want the real devotees. Yeah. So working my way down the funnel of fandom, I looked at Reddit, which is an approximation, maybe not the best one. There are over 160,000 people subscribed to the Coffee subreddit. Yeah, that's that, that's that's not a bad um, pulse, because not everyone loves coffee enough to join active discussions about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Z, of, I, oh yeah, go ahead. No, go, <laughs> you go ahead. I was just gonna say, Z, I cut you off. I wanted to, to make sure I was giving you a chance to speak. I just, I would... if I, now, if only Z was cutting me off at the same time, we would have all cut each other off <laughs> simultaneously. Oh, boy. Early end of the podcast. Um, I was just going to throw in more lore uh, about uh, coffee bouncing back after potentially being oppressed, as they might say. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Pope Clement VIII was presented with the choice to ban coffee since it was Uh, the devil's brew, the drink of those Muslims. Yeah. So, you know, I guess uh, being Pope, he wanted to see what he would be banning. And according to the lore, the story, <laughs> he tried it. And he's like, nope, this is going through. We can all drink coffee together. There was a, a really good quote from an article that talked about that, too. It's like, why this Satan's drink is so delicious, it would be a pity to let the infidels have exclusive use of it. Yeah. <laughs> we shall yeah. cheat Satan by baptizing it. <laughs> Just like, what? Wow. Yeah. Talk about yeah. PR spin. This is great. It's like, oh, boo, it, it, it's Satan's drink. It's those dang Muslims. And the Pope's like, no, it's good. I will 
bless it if it makes you want to drink coffee. Actually, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to overreach here and do another call ahead, but I think that that uh, one of the reasons why it probably caught on so well in the Middle East and in, uh, in more predominantly Muslim countries traditionally is because a big part of Islam is uh, is a ban on drinking alcohol. Mm. So if you can't drink alcohol, you want to have some substance that makes you feel tingly and strange. Coffee's you want a good some go-to. substance that alters your brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coffee's a good go-to. Yeah, that's true. To add on to that, Gustav III of Sweden, then king, in the uh, second half of the 18th century, says Wikipedia, was determined to prove that coffee was a dangerous beverage. So how many cups did he drink? A hundred? <laughs> he thought it was a threat to public health. Mm-hmm. There was a basically prohibition in 1746 against coffee and tea due to the misuse and excesses of tea and coffee drinking. I thought it was some kind of psychosomatic <laughs> thing. And so the king ordered an experiment mm-hmm. using identical twins. Of course. Who were criminals Ooh. and were condemned to death, but they'd like, soften their sentence if they participated in this. Huh. And one twin drank three pots of coffee and the other drank three pots of tea. A day. <laughs> Very scientific. No <laughs> control. It's fine. It's all fine. Yeah. It sounds they legit. didn't find any triplets. <laughs> triplets who were so, who were in prison. So there were there were two physicians assigned to monitor this and report to the king. And both physicians and the king died before any there were any results. <laughs> but funnily enough, the tea drinker of the two died before the coffee drinker. Ooh. The experiment has jokingly been called the first Swedish clinical trial. <laughs> and now Sweden has one of the highest coffee consumptions per capita. <laughs> Interesting. Do you have any idea if there were some coffee houses going on in uh, Sweden as well at that time? Almost certainly. Yeah, because uh, in uh, 1632 through 1640, the Ottoman Sultan Murat IV banned coffee to keep people from going to coffee houses because they would go to coffee houses, talk politics... And he didn't want anybody talking smack about him and how he was ruling. We're talking about coffee breeds insurrection here? A little, a little bit. A little bit. All right, Famous Last Words is where we talk about what we said last episode, the questions for this week, whatever. We're doing this quickly. So, Z, yep. you had said, who was it that first called it Turkish coffee? Were they Turkish or Greek? And uh, given that they're made the same way. Yep. Yeah, my, my big bone of contention was, much like with French kissing and English kissing, you know, why are the, there are these two terms? Why isn't it just all Greek coffee or all Turkish coffee? To the best of my researching, I figured out that uh, when coffee first came about, when it first became really popular, it was during the time of the Ottoman Empire, which stretched at least into Greece, if not across Greece, and then throughout the Middle East as well. Um, that, of course, includes Turkey. So what happened was, you know, this method of making coffee was present in Greece before the Ottoman Turks left, which would have been far, far before things really heated up between the Greeks and the Turks in 1974 with the invasion of Cyprus. So you've got these Greeks who have this style of making coffee, which is identical to the Turks. But in 1974, Turks come in, they invade Cyprus, which is Greek territory, or at least highly contentious territory. And as a, I guess as a show of like national uh, togetherness, the Greeks stopped or maybe just continued, but more more vocally, calling their way of making coffee Greek coffee. I believe Cyprus is now like, is it co-owned or at least so. split down the middle of Greece and Turkey? Yeah, it's either co-owned or it's split down the middle. Yeah. I have here like very rough, this is not a recipe, mm-hmm. 
but this is how Turkish coffee, Hungary coffee, is made. This is from um, History Channel's Modern Marvels episode on coffee. So, water, coffee, and sugar, Mm -hmm. boiled three times. I only came across this once, but I read something similar, except the uh, poster was saying that the difference between them is that Greek coffee only boil it once. Turkish coffee, you boil it three times. Interesting. I mean, I feel like if you go to one part of Greece, they probably do it one way, and then if you go to another part, they do it another way. Oh, yeah. Just one of those regional things. Without getting into too much, there are a million ways to make coffee. Yeah. And I don't right. say, I don't mean we're not going to get into that. I just mean not right now. <laughs> no. Espresso is fairly recent, actually. Really? Espresso is fairly recent? In terms of the history of coffee, it was like the 1940s or something. Probably because it needed to like force pressurized hot water through something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mechanics needed to catch up. Yeah. Anyway. Your famous last words were a statement. Which is, there is a ceremony or celebration of Turkish culture that involves coffee. Is there? <laughs> I mean, there's the, like, Istanbul Coffee Festival, which, sure. But, like, what I found was, like, how integrated coffee is into Turkish culture as my answer to that. Mm. I don't know if you guys came, it came across in almost every article I read. Which, at one time, there was a law that women could leave their husbands if they did not provide them with enough coffee on a daily basis. What? If the husbands <laughs> didn't give them enough coffee, or if the wives didn't give their husbands enough coffee? No, if the husbands didn't provide enough coffee for the wives. Interesting. <laughs> That's like, like, look, you know, however any of the women's rights thing are going on in Turkey, we're going to even it up. <laughs> if you don't get enough coffee, it's no good. <laughs> That's really interesting, because... I don't know if you came across any of the other historical stuff to do with coffee and, like, marriage, gee. Oh, no, I'd like to hear about this. Okay. Apparently, it was a very important part of the the courtship rituals, you know, the dating and all that stuff, for a woman to make her suitor, her fiancé, I suppose, at this point in the the relationship, and uh, that person's parents, coffee. (laughs) And basically, she would be judged on how well she made it, how well she served it as well so there's kind of like a little bit of not as formalized but i feel like a tiny bit of a japanese tea ceremony style of technicality coming in there a little bit maybe i didn't find out too much about that but like basically a woman's marriageability was based on how well she made coffee how well she served it um but but prospective wives sometimes used this to get out of marriages they didn't want they would just like mess up on purpose or if uh, if a uh, young young bride to be wanted to test out her uh, her husband to be's sense of humor, she might put salt in the coffee instead of sugar. Oh, so interesting. Apparently, yeah, there's some sort of tight back and forth there. As it turns out, there are some countries where in your coffee, like one of the various preparations of coffee, involves a large amount of sea salt hmm. or butter. Even I've heard of that before. I've heard the butter. Maybe it doesn't work well in Turkey, but in other parts of the world, that's just fine. Put that salt in <laughs> there. Lots of it. Mm-hmm. So, after that, a couple more examples. The word for breakfast in Turkish, kavalti, literally translates to before coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, when people say, I'm useless without my coffee, it's like, well, um, I guess you're not having breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll go you one further. Oh. Okay. All right. There's also the word kavarengi, which means the color of coffee, which is their word for brown. Huh. <laughs> That's pretty intrinsic. Yes. I don't know if it's like this in uh, classical Greek, but in modern Greek, the word for brown is cafe, which is also the word for oh, coffee. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yet another Interesting. connection. 
Greece, Greece and Turkey, you're more alike than you know. I was looking for videos on Greek coffee versus Turkish coffee. I found a lot of Greek versus Turkey themed videos, <laughs> yeah. but not that much about the coffee. They're like how to make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess everybody knows it's like the same. Yeah. Or similar enough. Yeah. Similar enough. Yeah. My famous last words were what are coffee fan activities? And specifically, what are the ones in Turkey? I was not able to find any interesting fan activities. I'm aware that there are many caffeinated things that are weird, like caffeinated soap. Not really a fan activity. Mm. And I did find a number of unusual coffees. Okay. Including Kopi Luwak, which I think this was in Thailand. I'm not sure. Somewhere in Southeast Asia. Also Civet Coffee, which is made from the feces of a coffee bean-munching cat. Mm-hmm. A very famous, partially because it's so expensive, I think. Yeah, it, it's rare and expensive, of course. Yeah. Um, Vanilla-flavored monkey spit. Monkeys uh, would raid farms in Taiwan, but apparently the beans that they had sucked on had a distinct vanilla flavor, so huh. they made it into coffee. Ah. Sure. So that's another interesting one. Uh, there's also Indian monsoon Malabar coffee beans. Previously, when coffee was like shipped on ships and not on steamships, there would be this process where the beans would get wet, they would dry, they'd get wet, they'd get dry, and it ended up creating this really good coffee. Today, that effect is replicated by like leaving beans out during the monsoons. So they get wet and they dry and they get wet and they dry, and uh, you get the same effect without having to put it on a boat and ship it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And there's also Jakku bird coffee, which is, hey, what if we had a big flying turkey eat the beans instead of a cat <laughs> apparently it's less bitter and has less of a manure flavor which yeah. i don't know why you would want to eat any coffee that has a manure flavor so does regular coffee mm-hmm. now manure free <laughs> admittedly <laughs> hey just start advertising your coffee as being manure does free. not taste like poop <laughs> not a judgment on people yeah. who drink coffee just like it's like this was literally manure I saw this in a few places I don't know how much I believe it. It's one of those hearsay type things. But they say there was it was in an English coffee house that the word tips was first used to yeah. mean gratuity. A jar with a sign reading to ensure prompt service. Oh. Yep. That seems like one of those... Uh, is neologism the right word? Yeah. Like, that's a fun idea. I don't know if I believe it, but sure. Why, oh. why not? No. I mean, the amount of times I heard the, uh, like the origin of the F word... <laughs> Has, has completely nulled, nulled me to any stories that are similar. It's like, well, I heard. It's like, nope, you're ah. wrong. Just on principle. But you know what we're not wrong about? <laughs> not wrong yet. Speaking of famous last words. Yeah. The why. Why? Why are people fans of coffee? Why are people fans of black, gross, wet bean juice? <laughs> so... I was thinking about this, and do you express something to me that I had very similar thoughts about? Uh, which is like, the why is hard. Because it's like food, or, you know, it's food or drink. It's something you taste, something you consume, and put in your mouth. And it's like, you're like, I like the taste, or I like it because it keeps me up. Mm-hmm. And those are probably a majority of the why, which are not interesting. No. However, coffee has taken on quite a few social meanings since it's uh, sprinkling over the world. And I think that is the more interesting part. Okay, so what, what do you mean when you when you say that? Okay, so there's a lot of talk in the modern Marvel about coffee. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we talked a little bit about coffee replacing beer, people drinking <laughs> beer constantly, it being maybe the opposite of beer, and people talking about how, as opposed to alcohol, is a drink of focus and acuity and intellect and business mm. because it, it allowed you to, to get things done, have more energy. And the, the person who was talking about it uh, aligned it with the golden age of Islam, mm. kind of when all the science and math and everything was coming, it was coming out of Islam, attributing that to coffee. Mm. That's a neat idea. Like, it was a really cool theory. Yeah. Coffee was, was attached quite hard to intellectualism for a long time. I found a lot about the penny universities in England. People would go and grab a cup of coffee and talk about philosophy and and academics for hours. (laughs) Uh, It claims the ballot box was invented in a coffee house Mm. for people to weigh in on political matters of the day and so on. So like they'd set up a table and have a big box. People could write yay or nay on a slip of paper and throw it in kind of thing. Yeah, you know how at Starbucks now or some some local coffee places they'll be like, yeah. "Who do you like better, like Darth Vader or Marty McFly <laughs> yep. or something?" Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And as you were saying before, Z, um, you know, a lot of political talk in these coffee houses. Mm-hmm. People, the insurrection could come from coffee houses because all these small people are getting together and being like, "What about this Sultan? Yep. Is he really so great? I'm so awake mm-hmm. and jazzed <laughs> because of all the coffee and caffeine's going into my brain. I'm thinking about everything. Mm-hmm. So. Coffee meant that for a long time. It was like, oh, well, I'm a coffee drinker. I'm, a, I'm intellectual or a businessman or something like that. And it uh, allows me to pursue all those things. Yeah. I also saw it aligned or talked about how with the Industrial Revolution, the Protestant work ethic involved coffee. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. There's been a lot of tying religion and coffee yeah. together. Yeah, then it clicks. So you've got the, the, the pagan antiquity with its wine. Yeah, uh, Catholic, medieval, and early modern uh, world with its beer, mm-hmm. and then the the more modern Protestant world with the coffee. You can't work in these crazy factories if you're drinking beer all day. <laughs> I mean, no. modern history no. wouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't work in these crazy factories if you're drinking beer all day. Uh, I mean, that's true. You made a really good point, and I'm going to completely undercut it with this funny thing that I found. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Perfect. <laughs> So I found this thing, this article, which is basically what your coffee says about you. Yeah. And it's it's a loose, loosely scientific study. It was an observational study of a thousand different coffee drinkers by an academic. I apologize that I didn't write their name, but I did link to the news article that I found it from. Um, the survey assessed numerous common personality styles and psychological traits, including introversion and extroversion, patience, perfectionism, warmth, vigilance, sensitivity, and social boldness, among other things. Like, basically, they would ask some questions about personality and then ask if the person drinks coffee and then how do they take their coffee. Mm-hmm. This kind of relates to your intellectualism and maybe it's like in modern day how that is or isn't true. We're about mm-hmm. to find out, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, in the article, they talked about a couple different kinds of coffee drinkers. Um, there's actually a book that was about food that's mentioned in the article that might go into more detail, but I don't have time in a week to read an entire book that only features a small section about coffee, so too bad. (laughs) Uh, Black coffee, apparently the survey respondents, tend to be more no-nonsense, straightforward. They can be quiet and moody, and they tend to be set in their ways. Hmm. Yep. I can't physically look at (laughs) Z, but I'm looking at you, Z. I'm looking at you. People who tended to get lattes tended to be more neurotic, more people pleasers, but not necessarily good at looking after themselves. Okay. People who preferred instant coffee 
tended to be procrastinators. What? More laid back kind of people. People who preferred sweet drinks like uh, blended coffees and things like that tended to be more socially bold or young at heart, reckless trendsetters, but also like kind of childish. That sounds like me. I drink my coffee cloyingly sweet, usually. <laughs> People who tended to have their coffees like extra foamy or like double decaf, which I didn't even know was a thing. I guess it's a thing. Mm. Tended to be more obsessive, controlling, and detail-oriented. Okay. That was from an interesting article on the Daily Mail. What does coffee say about you? Cappuccino lovers, likely obsessive. Latte drinkers, try others. I got a like a little, little series of infographics here on... Uh kivahan.com.au kivahan being the name of the first cafe the first coffee house in turkey okay the first coffee house comma which is in turkey <laughs> not the first coffee house in turkey okay yeah 54 percent total percentage of coffee drinkers who coffee makes them feel more like themselves interesting yeah 35 uh, percent of coffee drinkers like it black now i'm not saying coffee makes you smart i'm saying <laughs> people who drank coffee thought they were really smart <laughs> And I'd say today, it's not so much, oh man, the person's got a coffee. It must be really smart. I feel like too many people drink coffee to make that. But coffee is associated with... Um, Workaholism? Work Like drive, mm. right? Like ah. motivation. People working hard so they got to drink coffee. Yeah. It's like, man, that person must need energy for something or staying awake from because they're working hard. Because, you know, people will still hang out in Starbucks for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't find this in the research, so it's a bit unsubstantiated. It was really hard for me to get to the why, so I started speculating, which is the second best way to come up with interesting things to talk about. <laughs> yes. The first best way being finding interesting <laughs> things to talk about. But since you, you mentioned that perception of people drinking coffee and perhaps the more backed up actuality of people drinking coffee and having these universities and, and having these long intellectual discussions back around the, not the Islamic Renaissance, what was the time period you mentioned? The Enlightenment. I the Enlightenment. Uh, perfect. Yeah. I think that that's still a big part of things today. I had read a bunch of different articles talking about differences, things that people find bewildering about like coffee drinkers in America. And one of the things mentioned was that people take this coffee and then they're in a rush. And also I found a lot of articles about, look at this interesting cafe. Mm -hmm. But I think that all talks to like this perception of what drinking coffee are about, like what cafes are about. They're not about grabbing and going they're not your tim hortons they're not your dunkin donuts no they're not even your starbucks i mean starbucks is kind of a 50 50 kind of case why people really enjoy coffee and maybe this is about people that really enjoy coffee and not just like for lack of a better word basic coffee drinkers um is that it's that lifestyle you buy into this idea that it's like, well, I'm grinding my own beans, I'm brewing my own perfect brew, or I'm getting it at Starbucks. And I know that there are other people like me who are like that. They buy into this idea that they want to just like have this chill vibe mm -hmm. in a coffee house, that intellectual, like not rushed, not hurried yeah, kind of idea. Like I'm, I'm here to have a coffee and drink. I'm not crazy busy. Yeah. I think that goes all the way back to when it first got on in Turkey too, because I mean, one of the sort of, I guess, more casual rituals so to speak would be that after people were done with their coffee because the way turkish coffee is made you have the grounds in the bottom once you're done your coffee you're left with this mud basically but because it would be served in like a cup with a saucer what people would do is they would flip their coffee over sit for like another maybe 10 15 minutes just chat whatever 
And then uh, people who are who were knowledgeable about this sort of thing, people who knew the symbols to look for and all that sort of thing, would take the coffee cups, unflip them, and look at the grounds in, in the little saucer, look at the grounds in the cup, and like read people's fortunes. Which, you know, just the fact that it takes us a little bit of extra time along with the time taken to drink the coffee, just I think from the beginning there's definitely that chill vibe to it. Well, yeah, that's the perfect place for something like that to be invented because people just leave their... I don't know why you turn it upside down in the first place. It's so the grounds from the cup can, like, sink and seep out, you know, and then, like, what's left is your fortune. No, I mean, before the idea of reading coffee mm. grounds, I don't know why you turn your cup upside down. Because you like making a mess. Yes. Yeah, because you're a jerk who likes making a mess. <laughs> to show that you're done? Maybe, maybe. But I can see that just happening. Mm-hmm. People would be like, oh, let's go. Okay, I'm doing a coffee cup. And then they start, they talk for another 20 minutes. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you got these coffee. Oh, well, I can read. Like, I can see that developing very easily from the from the chill nature yeah. of the coffee house. And I saw, I saw a little bit that makes a point to point at the distinction between coffee houses and coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Is a coffee house like a cafe? Yes. Okay, just qualifying. Coffee shop likes like your Tim Hortons, your Starbucks. Whatever. Okay. I think Starbucks wants it both ways. But, oh, it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like a large franchise establishment. Yeah. So it yeah. it has its roots in this like coffee house uh-huh. thing. But then it's huge. I didn't read too much into it beyond just a reference that I found in one of the one of the sources that I went over for this week. But um, with Starbucks in particular, the two people that it was started by, and they started it in the seventies, and they just they wanted it basically to be a coffee house. But then this third guy came in and he was more about the marketing and more about, you know, really letting it take off, like to be the McDonald's, well, not his words, but these are my words, to make it sort of the McDonald's of coffee or to put it (laughs) yet another way, um, even though he joined the team in like the early 80s, his plan was to have 2000 Starbucks by the year 2000 at a time when maybe there were like two or three in Seattle or, you know probably less than 20 across that part of the states so like i think that's sort of the appeal of starbucks it still tries to like you say have it both ways by holding on to that sort of coffee house origin while also trying to appeal to that mass market which places it firmly i don't know if either of you came across these in the second wave of coffee oh whoa i did not come across the waves of coffee see the closest that i came across was this um I'm going to mention this because I did not do a lot of research into it. We will probably talk a little bit about how particular coffee fans can be. And Hmm. this isn't about second wave coffee, but this is about, did you know that one, there is a specialty coffee association of America Hmm. and two, that there are cupping protocols and for like, well, so the idea is that um, in my research, I was looking for, why isn't there an untapped for coffee? Ah, yeah. And the answer is long and complicated. Suffice to say, a lot of the reasons are people don't brew coffee the same way every time yeah. consistently. People have done this before, and nobody seems to want to build a community. They want to build their own thing. Mm. Um, they expect users to enter all the information. They expect coffee brewers to enter all the information. <laughs> oh, all, the, all this kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but it, it, one of the people mentioned, it's like, right. It, well, like not everybody is aware of the uh, SCAA cupping protocols or queue systems and are like what is going on 
Um, oh, so the cupping protocols is just like a system of consistently brewing coffee. Ah. So like you roast the coffee and then you make the cup within 24 hours and the roast has had like eight hours to rest. And there's like a standard amount of steeping time and, and whatnot. Like ideas to make the coffee consistent in quality mm-hmm. so that when you talk about tasting, you can talk about it consistently. Yeah. Mm. Also found out that there's the World Coffee Research Sensory Lexicon. Oh, wow. Which okay. is creating a shared language around coffee. Cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I would have loved to go into more research into those things, but like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But I totally forgot the thing that you were about to... My <laughs> miniature segue no worries, became no a large speed bump. <laughs> I can bring it back. I can bring it back. Okay, perfect. Um, I In my research, I didn't come across too much of that uh, that sort of official scientific side of it except for a thread on reddit where somebody had emailed a bunch of uh, local roasters in their in their city to try to find out what they thought made a perfect cup of coffee and uh in that posting you know they posted all the answers that the different brewers gave and some of them mentioned things like different measurements of like bitterness and different units for that sort of thing and all sorts of technical very data-driven information Although apparently a lot of the answers just boiled down to, <laughs> just boiled it down to, sorry, got a little pun in my throat, um, it being about taste, you know, for a lot of the local roasters that this person polled, it was just about taste and the scientific side of it didn't really matter so much. You know, perfecting the temperature when you add the beans, the amount of exposure the beans have to the water, all that other stuff. But that is all kind of tied into this idea of waves in that the second wave, which I mentioned earlier, uh, started around the 1980s and went to 2002. And it was basically the the period in coffee where people demanded a better tasting coffee. And it sort of came back to being something that people socialized around. Mm. Because the first wave, which started in around the 1800s, kind of vague, and then went all the way to the 1980s, was just where coffee was being mass produced and mass marketed. So people were trying to figure out how can we make this coffee on a big enough scale to sell and like make this an international or at least national business. And that's where you get stuff like um, Maxwell House and Folgers and, you know, even the jingle, that famous Folgers jingle. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. <laughs> Fresh new aroma always coming through. Racapella did a version of that. It's just really catchy. Man. So, the second wave was a direct response to that because, you know, a lot of people thought this mass-marketed, mass-produced coffee was terrible, tasted bad. So you get the second wave where people were all about the taste. And then apparently we're right now we're in the third wave where it's not so much about the taste of the coffee or the marketing of the coffee, although those two things are still factors, as it is about, you know, the better treatment of the product and the people making it. And people are genuinely more interested in uh, coffee's character. Mm. Character not being taste, like not just being the whole taste. Thing. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole product, okay. the, the context made. of yeah. coffee. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's actually more than I would expect, considering one, coffee is so utilitarian to many people, mm-hmm. and two, uh, the coffee industry being very exploitative. Yeah, I think a lot of people, probably in the eighties and nineties, when a lot of a lot of people just became seemed more conscious about that sort of stuff, realized that and wanted to again react to what was going on in the market in just the world of coffee and so they put more of a focus on things like fair trade and people became more concerned with where it was coming from and the impact it has and all that stuff 
So people uh, started to really care about coffee beyond the cup. Ooh, I like it. There's a lot of beyond the cup. <laughs> <laughs> the cup's not that big. <laughs> Let's face it. Especially if you're getting like a, a little espresso <laughs> shot. Yeah, really. So as we go off of those tangents within tangents off of the thing I was saying about <laughs> coffee shops and coffee houses. Continuity. I heard you guys want me to talk about Viennese coffee house culture, so I think I will. Ooh, sounds <laughs> good. I mean, I didn't vote for that. Where's the ballot box? Hey, it's in the coffee house. Ooh. Which you can find in Vienna. Oh, hey, tell me more. Okay, so I'll give you uh, a couple highlights. Uh, this is from theculturetrip.com, and it's called The Captivating Character of Viennese coffee culture. Vienna, as we remember, place where they found all those sacks of coffee after the Turks split mm-hmm. and uh, went to town on it. <laughs> coffee houses described as the city's public living rooms. Guests at these typically Viennese gathering spots they only purchase a single coffee and they are free to linger below the high ceilings, cultivated interior decoration, and diverse fellow patrons for the entire day. As an absolute staple of the city's culture, UNESCO recently named the Vienna Coffee House on the list of the National Agency for the Intangible Cultural Heritage. Oh, wow. And if you thought that was enough, within this inventory, the coffee house is described as a place where time and space are consumed, but only coffee is found on the bill. <laughs> that's very... <Awesome>. That's deep. <laughs> Somebody was drinking coffee when they came up with that. Oh, my goodness. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go over the history of Vienna and coffee as we kind. <laughs> One cannot simply enter the, co- <laughs> <laughs> enter the coffee house and request a cup of coffee, as the list of crafted javas is extensive. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like, I was like looking at how the different ways coffee is made, and it's ridiculous. But I'm not going to uh, interrupt yeah. your, your story with that. Yeah. To order a black coffee, guess we need to request a mocha, otherwise known as a charzer, while for a cappuccino-like option, the melange, a Viennese classic, would be the closest choice. Other menu items include the ice spanner, served in a glass with whipped cream, the Maria Teresa with orange liqueur and whipped cream, or the Turkish, which combines a copper pot with coffee grounds and sugar. Each cup is served on a silver tray and accompanied by a glass of cold water. Yep. Although a wide variety of faces seen within these establishments creates for a welcoming environment, there are certain advantages to being a regular customer. These might be the coffee fans that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. In Austria, a regular guest is referred to as a stamgast, although the significance of this word is more complex than its English equivalent. More than just a daily patron of a local London pub, the stamgast in the coffee house is given special treatment. A stamgast can expect the staff at the coffee house to know their regular order, to remember their preferred table, and maybe even save it for the customer without a reservation. Oh, wow. A more unusual privilege, which may not be typical of all Viennese coffee houses, but certainly practiced in some, is that if a stamgast wants only a couple bites of cake rather than the whole slice, the staff member and the patron may agree on a type of cake and share. Ah, what? Cool. <laughs> Each Viennese citizen has their preferred shop, and one's connected to the cafe is often to the point of possession. And then it talks about some of the specific coffee houses in Vienna, which all look beautiful. That's just a little taste, mm-hmm. a little couple bites of cake of, uh, <laughs> of Viennese coffee culture. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> Sounds like a coffee fan's mecca. Yeah, yeah. If Starbucks got rid of their uh, loyalty program and just did that, you know. <laughs> Shared cake with everyone. Sure. Hey, anybody want this cake? I, yeah, I no. ate half of it, but I don't uh, want anymore. Got half a piece of cake for Nick. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, no, okay, that's fine. I'd be afraid to go in. Be like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to describe what I want. Ooh. So, well, I mean, yeah. I guess if you're already a fan of Starbucks or a, a regular at Starbucks, you know the different names for the different sizes: the tall, grande, and venti. It's kind of a, an introductory 101 to specific lingo for coffee houses. I mean, not terribly related, but the concepts there. I feel like they're not going to give you 20 ounces of coffee. <laughs> Oh my goodness. No. That was one of the things that, that I had found. I was browsing around the coffee subreddit and one of the threads that I'd come across was, hey, this is a coffee subreddit, so why is it that no one talks about coffee? Mm-hmm. I see, a, I saw, I, like, in the brief look I had it right at, I see a lot of talking about equipment. Yes. A yes. lot of talking about equipment. Yeah. So uh, there were a lot of thoughtful replies. I found almost all of my dealings with Reddit have actually been very kind i usually expect any place where you can answer things anonymously to be a cesspool but that has definitely not been the case in any of my research as an aside um so there were some very thoughtful responses to why don't people talk about coffee uh some people had mentioned that you know whereas you might say a folgers i might say this thing and i it's very hard to know unless you're going to talk about the specific kind of like i had an ethiopian blah 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 with the beans from wherever Unless you know all those details, it's very hard to meaningfully talk about the coffee that you make. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And what was also mentioned was, I think it was a Finnish person, was talking about how even the water that they use makes a big difference in the taste of the coffee that's produced. Mm. So, you know, the water that you have, if you have the same coffee brewed in different places with different kinds of water, then it's really hard to talk about the coffee. But the things that you can control... I guess with water, you can use distilled water, but the things that you can control are like how you brew the coffee, like in mm-hmm. the setup that you have. And I, that was mentioned why so many people talk about that aspect of things. Yeah. Also doing research on different kinds of coffee. And it's just like, ugh. it's like there's two main beans, but there are other kinds of beans. And then there's different grinds <laughs> and there's different brews. And there's like in those different brews, you're like, cool. I got like direct infusion, like Turkish and filtered and pressure brewed, which is like espresso, (laughs) cold brew. And it's like, cool, let's add milk, sugar, water, cream, butter, salt, whatever, different flavors. It's like, I'll have an espresso. Cool. That's easy. It's just like a shot of coffee. It's like, I'll have a dopio or a dopio or whatever. It's like, that's two shots of espresso. I'll have an Americano. Yeah. I'll have a cafe creme, a cafe noisette, a cortado, a cappuccino. And some of these things are like use whipped milk instead of regular milk or mm. steamed milk or use diluted espresso instead of espresso unless it's an affogato which sounds really cool that might be a thing i could get into my favorite a flat white which is uh espresso and steamed milk yep yep mm. i that was that was one of the questions on the buzzfeed test and it's like well it's flat so it can't be foamy <laughs> yep yeah uh, an affogato i think is a shot of espresso with a scoop of vanilla ice cream oh. that sounds all right I know. (laughs) Some coffee I can get into. (laughs) When I started doing the research, my first thought was like, oh man, coffee drinking is entirely a curative fandom because you got to know all these different things. Like if you, if you just go to Starbucks, whatever, Mm -hmm. because that's like a very basic level of introducing roasts and whatnot, and maybe Mm -hmm. some, some minor specialties, but it's like beginners. But like when you really get into it, it's fair. I was like, is this curative or is it transformative? Because you're brewing. Mm -hmm. So that's different. But like maybe you're just following recipes and there's a lot of information. And when there's categorizing information, I usually think of curative fandoms. 
Yes. Yeah. It's it's hard to... I mean, I, we didn't really get into it with uh, craft beer so much. But I think with food fandoms, it's kind of difficult to really categorize into curative or transformative. Because, like, when you're talking about a fandom, like, <laughs> the first one to come to mind, Twin Peaks. It's very clear that uh, you transform it when you take the characters and write stories with them. Because you're taking something that is part of that property that you're a fan of and making something new out of it, transforming it. But with coffee, you could argue that the act of making a coffee in and of itself is transformative because you're taking this ground and then you're doing something to it. Whether you're putting it through, you know, a filter or you're using a percolator or you're directly infusing it in the style of like cowboy coffee. You know, there's there's a lot there. I mean, it would, it would be a transformative fandom if people were just fans of the bean. Yeah, that's true. People and are... then you made coffee out of it. But that is generally not the case. No, no, it's the end result. With food, it's hard to get around. I like how it tastes. <laughs> With beer, it also gets you drunk, so there's that scream. <laughs> With coffee, it's it keeps you awake, yep. so there's that. Yep. Some people may hate the taste of coffee, but drink it because it's a good source of caffeine. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't seem to be a very thick thread from what I saw on Reddit, but one thing that I did see prop up here and there was this idea that what brings the people who are on the reddit for coffee together is the quest for the perfect cup so once they do that they're good well i mean the perfect (laughs) the perfect cup is going to be different for everybody though right and like even when you get a perfect cup of say colombian oh man i'm going to show my ignorance of uh, beans here but colombian arabica beans from I don't know, uh, mid-elevation. That's one thing down. And then you got to find I mean, the perfect cup of like Ethiopian uh, high-elevation Robusta beans. You named beans, so... I, I did. I just don't know if they match up with the countries or not. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea where things are brewed. My understanding of the uh, main two, grown. Two, two kinds of beans, Arabica and Robusta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do believe. And one is like better. Yeah. Uh, I feel like... I mean, what, yeah, the research led me to believe that Arabica beans are the, like, not even higher quality, but they're, like, the most popular, and then Robusta are often used for lower-grade coffees. Mm. And then there's a ton of, like, really minor beans that don't tend to be imported or exported. Mm. That's mm-hmm. a lot. But you can you can get them in places, of course. Yeah. yeah. But, like, another thing, I think, with the quest for the perfect cup is, compared to craft beer again, with craft beer, if you're buying, you know the same beer all the time because you really like it you're going to enjoy each one but you're kind of going to get the same results there's there's no way to to slice it any other way coffee and beer are both drugs in in one sense or another caffeine the most popular drug in the world yeah yeah exactly they both have some sort of you know altering effect on your your consciousness your psyche if you will but i want to say that with beer there's less chasing the high because it's a downer (laughs) but with coffee there's a bit more of that. Like you could make the perfect cup once, but then, you know, even your tastes maybe change ever so slightly. And that perfect cup is no longer as good or like your water is off that one day. Mm. So you've got to like figure out what you did with the water or, you know, maybe you're of, of the uh, school that believes that you don't want to add boiling water to your grounds. No. You want to add hot water. So maybe one day you let it uh, sink from the boiling point, you know, down maybe 10 degrees. The next day it's down 20 degrees and it's a different cup. There's a lot of 
granular stuff and you don't even need to be that scientific about it oh yeah another unintentional pun i hope (laughs) i hope this reminds me of frog rock and the search for the lost chord that's all i'll say about that man yeah one of the interesting things researching fandoms is the fan activity and as we've discussed some of the biggest parts of coffee fan fan activity are like the the concept of being at a coffee shop ordering coffee and just relaxing for other people it's the brewing of the coffee the grinding of the coffee all of the specifics of that uh beyond that i don't know how much fan activity there is there's obviously latte art Mm -hmm. oh yes yeah which is a thing um and tasting Mm-hmm. And possibly animosity towards tea drinkers. <laughs> yeah. Let's get that feud going. <laughs> I didn't find a lot on the subreddit. There was actually a lot of like, we don't hate tea drinkers or tea drinkers saying we don't hate coffee drinkers. <laughs> um, there was just a, like a lot of like, I'm really mad that there isn't a lot of selection in places. That's fair. Like for, for tea drinkers, not for coffee drinkers. That was like a North American UK thing. In both cases, sides were arguing that it's like, it doesn't really matter because most teas and coffees that you get from like the supermarket are garbage anyway yes so it was a moot point <laughs> yeah exactly but uh, I, d- I couldn't find a lot on fan activity so maybe maybe coffee drinkers are just kind of basic fan ah. activities drinking coffee brewing coffee drinking coffee craft beer fans brewing beer <laughs> drinking beer going to viennese coffee houses <laughs> yeah drinking monkey poop monkey yeah. spit cat poop bird Cow. poop coffee yeah Going to maid cafes. Ooh. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that definitely has less to do with coffee and more to do with other things. <laughs> That'd be an interesting episode. Like strictly on maid cafes? Cafe culture. I don't know how big it is. <laughs> well, because you get your maid cafes, your cat cafes, your like cat maid cafes. Some of them have owls. Your board game cafes, of course. People have, people have combined a bunch of stuff with cafes. Yeah. Coffee is a perfect thing. To drink while you're doing something. <laughs> and we just need to bring the something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the why. Coffee is the something. <laughs> I think that's the perfect segue. Yeah, to that's, take us. that's what we've concluded. Yeah, That's <laughs> a segue that takes us to the verdict. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to start with Z because he said a, a thing first. Sure, sure. All right, my verdict on this fandom is as follows. I think for uh, for coffee drinkers, for people who consider themselves fans of coffee, it really does relate quite a bit to craft beer. With craft beer, you know, we've got some extreme cases where people homebrew their own beer. Kind of a big deal. You make it up in batches. You throw whatever crazy ingredients you want in there. Um, and it's it's kind of a big deal. It takes its time, you know, probably a couple days for brewing and that sort of thing. And Gotta make sure your still is okay and all that stuff. But in my mind, the way that relates to being a fan of coffee is that you've got that same sort of experience of making something you love at home that takes far less time. Unless you're growing coffee plants yourself, all you're doing is you're buying beans, whole beans, from uh, maybe a roaster, maybe you believe like Starbucks, I don't know. But uh, you're getting those beans, you're grinding them up yourself with whatever kind of grinder you have, which itself, some people would argue, is, is, is its uh, own thing. Yeah, yeah. Not just like the fine, the fineness of the grind, but also like, is it a burr grinder? Is it this grinder? Is it that grinder? Anyway, that's a whole thing. And then you're attacking those grounds with water. 
in whatever way you see fit. You got a, a coffee machine? You got a special machine? You got a French press? What are you doing? Exactly, exactly. And then you're getting that cup. And so I think that, you know, there's that home brew aspect to it that makes people interested in coffee beyond just something to socialize over or something to keep them awake to study for that big exam or finish that big presentation for work or whatever. I remember a lot of people in the Reddit subthread about coffee mentioning that it was a meditative thing, their morning ritual making coffee. They found it very meditative and it wasn't just necessarily the coffee, you know, helping them get up in the morning. It was the ritual itself. And I think that's also a big part of it. Like, And uh, going all the way back to the top of the show, fulfilling my call ahead with a call back. Bridging that gap. Yes, yes, yes. And at least here and there throughout those threads that I was reading on that subreddit, there is this sort of common thread that people who would go on to the coffee subreddit and, you know, just kind of curiously browse and try to figure out what coffee is all about for these other people because they're trying to figure out what coffee is about for them. They would read something like, you know, about uh, all these people grinding their own beans. I saw a thread that uh, had the title along the lines of, why do you all grind your own beans? Why is this such a big deal to you? And the original post was basically saying, you know, at first I didn't get it, I tried it, and I get it now, and I uh, I kind of hate you all for making me do this to enjoy my coffee, because now I just can't go back. I just have to experiment more and more with how I grind my beans. So, like, it seems like for some people it's a sort of a rabbit hole. They've got this this taste for coffee, and then they find out that there are all these different levels of making it all these different parts that go into it. And then they just want to explore all the parts. And they just want to find out like every little thing they can tweak so that they can tweak that as much as possible and try to make the best cup for them. It's a personal journey, but there are other coffee drinkers that help each other along the way. And then you also have stuff like, he had mentioned barista challenges and the, the Brewer's Cup competition. Mm-hmm at the national and international levels. Yeah, serious business. So, yep. sorry. That that's your your verdict. That is coffee brewing serious business. Coffee brewing serious business. Coffee coffee fans. Coffee fans. Also, I've got to say I am in. I did I did a little bit of personalized research, you know, mm. cuz I I internet I tend to go with the the cowboy brewing method, which is basically put put some grounds in a cup, pour hot water on the on in the cup wait a few minutes you've got coffee um and one of the the sort of recipes that i quickly found in there was to do that wait six minutes and like scoop out the grounds i did that just now before the podcast started i've been drinking that throughout the podcast it's a really really good method (laughs) you're saying taking the gross beans out of the coffee makes it taste better what normally happens with cowboy coffee is that the grounds you know they're up at the top but then as they're sort of spent if you will they sink so normally you know if you just leave it for an indefinite amount of time they all sink to the bottom and then much like with turkish coffee or greek coffee you just have mud on the bottom but right. the rest okay. of it's clear how does that differ from say using a french press i was actually going to ask that too you don't have to clean a french press <laughs> cool so, that's pretty and much on it. that note <laughs> no one i'm getting z for christmas <laughs> Not a, not right. a French press, so I don't have to clean a I th- French press. I, th- <laughs> I think Thinky's has a device that's like a mug that's effectively like a French press. Those do exist. 
Yeah. yeah. Gee, what is what is your verdict? A self-cleaning French press. <laughs> I like the cowboy coffee. I don't need anything better. This is my method. No. I want Everyone's pray. opinion is that you shouldn't, so I have to... <laughs> As a fan of black coffee, I would say yeah. that maybe Z is stuck in his ways. Never. No, he, he went like two black coffee. Though. Oh, from, oh, yeah. Um, just, drink, just, drink, just drink cowboy coffee <laughs> and enjoy it. I will. It's the only rule of coffee. It's a good rule. Gotta enjoy it. Or don't. You know, whatever. <laughs> just, just gotta stay up. Anyway, I drink coffee a lot. I drink coffee at least once a day on my way to work. It helps. Once the, the roasts and the, you know, the different varieties of beans start to get up there, I'm not too keen on that. Don't like dark roast at all. Coffee's very bitter and I'm not, don't like bitter things that much. It also has the least caffeine. Yeah. So if that's what you're worried about. Grab that blonde roast. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. As I said, I like it cloyingly sweet. I like cream and sugar. I like a, a cappuccino or a, a flat white. Some of the creamier espresso-based beverages. And I can't really tell if, you know, pre-ground or self-ground coffee. However, if we're talking about pepper, I'm the guy who asked for a pepper mill for Christmas. <laughs> I gotta have that fresh ground pepper. Within, I don't know, 20 minutes or something, it loses 90% of its flavor. And to imagine coffee is some some similar thing but i think so like i'm in insofar as i drink coffee i like the idea of, of the coffee house yeah going out hanging out having i wouldn't want to spend all day because i'd probably want to see a lot of other things if i was in vienna yeah but i like the idea of getting some little sweet meat and uh, and an interesting coffee and sitting down but you know for the most part i do not participate in vienna. i'm not looking for for the hot equipment or the best new bean but you know i, I like coffee i like drinking coffee socially I like the idea of going for a coffee uh, which does not need to involve having coffee at all. It's just kind of like hanging out, chatting. Normally not at night, but it doesn't really matter. I like the social idea of coffee. And that, you know, that still stems from the from the old penny universities and things like that. It's a it's I guess cuz it's hot that people like to sit and drink over a very long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, cold drink you can just chug it back. Yeah. Actually, the famous lawsuit of McDonald's by a woman oh, who was burned yeah. by coffee. The too hot coffee. Yes, yes, was was mentioned in one of the threads, and apparently um, somebody had said that the reasoning behind making the coffee so hot was that McDonald's thought people were buying their coffee and then taking it home. So if they made it super hot, by the time they got it home, it would be the right temperature. <laughs> was this before they had tables at McDonald's? No, they had tables, but I guess they were just thinking people always took coffee to go. I don't know. Or that people wouldn't drink coffee. That was, I guess that's spilled. <laughs> I guess it's spilled. Yeah. The nature of coffee allows you to drink it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Or if you're Mr. Pink, a lot of coffee over a long period of time. <laughs> Bottomless coffee. North American mm-hmm. staple. Yeah. It's 98% water. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's cheap. Not, not difficult to make. No. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, as much as I already stated that I am. And I kind of like the idea of looking at how different cultures have coffee integrated. Like I was, I love finding mm-hmm. that stuff out about about the Turkish language. <laughs> yeah, that coffee is like a baseline for a lot of things. <laughs> In terms of the fandom, like like as I said, coffee is not going anywhere. I think we have the first curative, then transformative. You got to know the lingo mm-hmm. and the processes to to kind of change it. Mm-hmm. If you're making it at home, that is. You could yeah. also just search the world for the perfect brew. If you don't want to make it yourself. Yeah. I like that it exists. I like that something <laughs> I've said this before. 
I just like the idea of some fandoms existing. I like that this thing that are people just grab their cup of joe in the morning to make it through the day as this other window into like this whole complex world of different facets. So thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> as a person who doesn't often consume caffeine or uh, alcohol or anything like that, it should not come as any surprise that I'm not particularly in. Like UG, I am fascinated by the curative and transformative and cultural implications of coffee as a substance. Mm-hmm. I think that coffee fans, contrary to my initial belief, are as much a thing as craft beer, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, is also not a thing, but, like, <laughs> objectively is. Maybe you should use different words. Ah, no, it's not fun. They are uh, 100%. They are 100% a fan of, I know. <laughs> but, like, they're interesting in that they're very well-defined. Many fandoms have, like, fuzzy edges. Yes. Where they blend into other fandoms or blend into other things. But coffee fans, like beer fans, have very hard edges. There's limitations on what that fandom is and isn't, which is great. You're like, fans of coffee are the people who find out the best grinding or brewing or equipment or whatever. The only crossover is that one beer they made on the Drew Carey show. Ah. Buzz beer. Buzz That's right. Beer. I mean, there there have been other, like, cold brew coffees and nitro brewed coffees mm. that start to get into Buzz Beer-esque territory. But, like, fundamentally, it's like a narrowly defined food fandom. Yeah. And so I, I think it is fascinating. It is well-constrained. And it is not one of the biggest fandoms we've covered, but it is one of the most pervasive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely one of the oldest. Yeah. yeah. And so that is my verdict on coffee fandom. Complex and simple at the same time Ooh. Mm-hmm. much like the varieties of coffee <laughs> let me ask you this tea yep i know you're not a big coffee drinker do you like coffee flavor sometimes so uh coffee crisp mm. is is fine apparently canadian yeah apparently <laughs> sometimes when there's ice cream coffee flavored cappuccino kind of things are, are fine i do love the smell of certain kinds of coffee mm-hmm uh, I have since learned doing the research for this week that just because coffee smells like that doesn't mean it tastes like that, and that is one of the problems. <laughs> like, bad coffee might smell good, but taste yeah, bad. That's true. But, like, the smell is, is pretty enticing, unlike with alcohol, which mm. is just smells gross and <laughs> tastes gross. The smell of coffee is that part of the coffee leaving the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I do often like coffee-tasting things. Okay. It's just not like top tier flavor profiles. No, no, no. So the spotlight is the part of the show where we highlight a really interesting cause or fanish thing. This time, for the first time in a while, I managed to find us a spotlight on a coffee fandom related topic. Mm. Cool. It's no tiger mask, although it's oh, almost man. there. So the, the idea is called Suspended Coffees. Did either of you come across this? No, no sir. Okay, so if you go to suspendedcoffees.com uh, and you go to their about page, it'll give you more information. And this actually ties in a little bit to last week. So the Suspended Coffee movement is, of course, a movement. Uh, it's meant to bring communities together and hope to inspire and empower people to change lives and restore faith into humanity. That's very bold. But it started after the founder, John M. Sweeney, heard of a tradition in working class cafes in Naples... Uh, where someone who had good luck would order a cafe sospeso which uh, means a pending coffee or a, a coffee paid in advance okay so if you're doing well you buy yourself a coffee you buy a sospeso somebody else gets a coffee it's cool in just its first year the movement 
had over 1,400 cafes join and over a quarter of a million followers on Facebook. And I think that was in 2013. Mm-hmm. So now that movement, uh, I was actually reading a news article about a place in Hamilton that had started following this movement. There have been some people decrying the movement because it's like, well, if you're down on your luck, coffee is not super nutritious <laughs> and like... You know, there might be other things you need. And that's a valid argument against it. But like, it's still... If people want coffee. Yeah. And I mean, in Canada, when it's cold outside, I, I like maybe you do want a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think it's a, a move in the right direction towards making the world a better place. And that's why I wanted to highlight suspended coffee as the spotlight for this week. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've walked to Tim's in the morning where I've ordered, you know, coffee and a, a bagel or whatever. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. Someone just like gave them a 20 Ah. and they're ki- they're, oh, wow. they're keeping track on a little pad of paper yeah so i'm like oh cool yeah so there's there's people still doing that which is nice especially in the morning mm-hmm. hey if there are fandoms you would like to hear us cover on this podcast please email them to nick of the or if you've listened to one of our shows and been like oh that's me that's my fandom this is the thing that is most important to me in my life let us know let us know your experience with fandom and how it's changed for better or for worse hopefully for better but nick at the is where you can send all that stuff if you're listening on iTunes, we'd love it if you'd give us a rating review or uh, hit the subscribe button. It, it uh, lets more people see us in the iTunes algorithm and brings new friends to the fold. And YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we are at the NixCast. If you want to know what's going on with the NixCast at any given time, hit it up. Facebook, all our events and our, our episodes and our, our live streams are, are announced. Instagram, I just got a selfie stick. So <laughs> look forward to slightly wider angle shots. For those and if you are listening to this on audio but would like to see our our lovely smiling faces as we do this podcast you can go to twitch.tv slash the nixcast uh we will be streaming our podcast as we record it every monday at 8 p.m eastern standard time yeah if you like any of the things that g mentioned if you hate any of the things <laughs> that g mentioned and wish we would cover something different or do something different you should become a patron of the nixcast if you go to patreon.com slash the next cast, you can find our Patreon page. Patreon is a place where you can pledge money towards artists and help them to create more of their content. If you go to our Patreon page, you will see the goals that we have. Whenever you go to our page, it'll show all the stuff that we released, uh, all the podcasts, etc. And if you become a patron, uh, you can get access to exclusive content uh, and have like a secret channel that only you and us share. Uh, so if you want to be on the fast track to getting your fandom covered, you can check that out. Even as little as a dollar a month is huge in helping us to create this content, to do better quality content, to do the Twitch stream every Monday, to go out to conventions and interview people and find cool people to talk to. and Cover hosting. Cover hosting even, yeah, because mm-hmm. podcasts are not free. Uh, why not? Why, why are you <laughs> not free, podcasts? <laughs> anyway, you can check out patreon.com slash the next cast. Become a patron. Do it today. Do it right now. Yeah. And while you're busy uh, becoming a patron and following us elsewhere, all that stuff, don't forget to check us out on Twitter specifically using the hashtag Fanthrow. That's hashtag F-A-N-T-H-R-O. Oh my. There are two things that I cannot go without saying. And the first one is, hey, did you know that this past weekend or the weekend before, because I'm bad with schedules, was the Race Against Time, our annual charity event where we raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada? You didn't? Well, then what are you doing? By the time of this recording, it has not happened yet, so I don't know how it went, good or bad. Hopefully it went well. Hopefully it was a rousing success. If you 
missed it, there will probably be some footage coming up on YouTube. More details about that can be found on our Patreon page and probably on the Race Against Time website, which is raceagainsttime.io. If you think that's a really cool cause, you can still donate. Uh, I believe that the link should still be active. If you missed the event, don't worry. It is an annual event, so we'll be holding it again sometime next summer. Date to be determined. But we're going to be trying a new thing, and we'll be trying to hold a winter race against time. Game to be determined. Very high likelihood of it being I am Setsuna. Mm-hmm. And charity to be determined. That will most likely be on February 17th. So circle that on your calendar. Stay tuned to all the NixCast channels, and there will be more details. And obviously, if you check out raceagainsttime.io, which is the website, or twitch.tv slash time, you will know whenever any of that stuff is going on. So check out those things. And of course, there is one little bit before we go. And that is, uh, you know, I've been enjoying Turkey. It was really expensive to go back and forth between Turkey and Vienna and all across <laughs> Europe, but it's probably worth it. Admittedly, we weren't in Turkey for that long, but I was awake the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we will be traveling to Russia to talk about the fandom that we are talking about next week. Figure skating. <laughs> skating. Yep. So, what are your famous last words uh, for next week's fandom? Last words. I'm going to start because I actually have something. Ooh, hey. So, and I also wanted to make sure nobody steals it. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, my famous last words for next week are how influential was Yuri on Ice in driving interest in figure skating? I want to know. <laughs> how many people are like, I want to be like Yuri. I want to be like... Pork cutlet bowl. <laughs> be the pork cutlet bowl, Yuri. How many people want to be the pork cutlet bowl? Mm. I mean, not that. How many How many people got into figure skating because they saw Yuri on Ice? That's my question. Okay. You got something, G? Oh, I got some. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Another statement, actually. Ooh. I'm going to say, due to its nature, due to its country of origin, figure skating and ballet have very close origins. Hmm. Okay. Okay. My uh, famous last words. Also, also a statement. Ooh. Uh, very plain, straight ahead. Uh, not a fan of change kind of statement. A very black coffee drinking <laughs> kind of person <laughs> statement. Okay. Yep. Yep. And that is that. Uh, both being large countries that, you know, endure a lot of cold weather and all that sort of thing. Uh, much like hockey, figure skating is yet another arena in which the uh, the fierce rivalry on the ice between Canada and Russia is explored and expressed. The rivalry is over. We beat them when we beat communism in 1972 with the, some hockey games. <laughs> I believe it continues today in the majesty of the dance on ice. Ooh. Got it. So how are we uh, getting to Russia from uh, from Turkey? Uh, take a train, fly, walk. walk? Well, we got we got all this coffee. We can probably make it. How did Russia try to invade Europe? Can we do that? Mm. That didn't work out well for them, right? <laughs> I feel like it would be perceived as hostility. Mm. Mm. We don't want any of that. No, definitely not. Ooh, let's take the Trans Siberian Railway. I was going to say the Orient Express, but the Orient Express ends in Turkey. Oh. Mm. Let's take the Trans-Siberian Railway. So we have to go fairly north. Yeah. And we can mm-hmm. end up in Vladivostok. Ooh. A warm Russian place. Yeah. Oh. In the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, sounds like a nice spot. All right. We'll see you all next time in Vladivostok in Russia. Talking about figure skating. 
Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. from the next cast Anthropological Institute we're talking about <laughs> Mulligan 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 okay. live from the next cast Anthropological Institute we're talking about fancy coffee <laughs> <laughs> I was like why are you rushing into this it's like oh <laughs> got it amazing oh. the medium is the message <laughs> medium of coffee this guy knows what he's talking about my coffee breeds insurrection here a little, a little bit a little bit i think we should put a pin in that uh quickly over famous last words and then go to the why because i think there's there's a bit of why in there oh man but i have so much other data doesn't matter i'll, I'll bring it up later <laughs> sprinkle it through it you can you can you can like slip it like, yeah i definitely yeah, yeah, can like cinnamon on top of a latte just sprinkle it on this is getting too deep. <laughs> All right, you want you wanted to rush ahead to le- uh, famous last words. That's right, famous last words. <laughs> just just make everything <laughs> slightly faster for the episode. That's um, a great idea. All right, famous last words is where we.